Manufacturer Podcast. Today, it's an International Women in Engineering Day special. We've got interviews with some top-class manufacturers who are paving the way for future generations of women. Listen to three tales that may resonate with some listeners. Examples of women determined to level the playing field and create continued opportunities for women in engineering. That's all to come in today's episode. Hi there, listener. It's been a while. When you last heard from us, we promised we'd be bringing you the final episode of our technology series, but we lied to you, and we still won't be bringing you the final episode of our technology series because it's our International Women in Engineering Day special. Yes, yes. we are so excited yes. for um, International Women in Engineering Day. I mean, I'm just going to first of all mention how long it has been. Um, it, it's It's been... But it's been ages. I mean, I just, it's got to the point where I just haven't had time to do a podcast. Yes. Have, have you missed it? I have actually really missed it. Have and, you? Yeah, it's, as you say, it seems like an age since we last did one. We've been, well, we've we've been, we've been out and about visiting manufacturers. Lana's been on holiday again. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it, it just seems like an absolute age ago that we last did a podcast. And certainly last did a podcast altogether as well. Yeah. So the, it's nice to be back. The band's back together, it isn't is it? It's nice to be back, yeah. And we're doing a podcast in our new offices. Indeed we are. We in are in sunny, indeed we are in Wimbledon. The AC is blaring and the sun is shining. You can, can probably actually hear the air conditioning because we're not in our padded studio in central London anymore. Like you say, yeah, we have had a change of location, much to your delight, Lana. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> After your four... <laughs> changes was it on the train yes but you know it's worth it to be here with you guys absolutely of course it is well look three fantastic interviews for this episode um real examples of of women that are uh, paving the way elizabeth donnelly is the first one we're going to hear from she's from the women's engineering society wes she's our first interviewee let's hear from her very much for women in engineering. We had information was released by Engineering UK on International Women's Day on the 8th of March this year that concluded that um, we now had 16.5% of women engineers compared to a much smaller number in 2010. And this actually amounted to over 900,000 women engineers now, which is fantastic. So we've definitely seen a big increase. And although the engineering workforce itself has expanded, it's not by nearly as much. So we know that we've got more women coming into engineering. And this is good news for companies, because the more women you have in your company, uh, the better your engineering is going to be, because women think about things differently. And of course, it's good news for women, because engineering pays very well. And in terms of the impact of the campaign, we've gone from a very uh, low-key national campaign to being truly international. And when we look at the statistics and the reach that we have, the countries that we get to, uh, the uh, kind of companies that are involved, you know, for example, in 2020, we had the Labour Party and the Royal Family uh, get involved in our hashtag, which meant that uh, they were trying to get our audience to look at their, the politics in the royal family. But of course, we got their audience to tell them about engineering. And last year, we had uh, the NHS and the chief medical officer 
tweeted for us as well. And we've, we've now got such a truly global campaign that I think if we said, right, we're not going to do it anymore, it would probably still happen without us. How does the, the number of women in engineering in the UK compare to, to other countries? Do you think maybe there are any lessons that we could be learning from others? Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, we don't have very many engineers in women engineers in the UK, and this is historic. Even 50 years ago, we had half a percent, and about 10 years ago, we had 9%. Um, I think this is because women are so talented at many things that they can make choices. So if they are good at science, they may not go to engineering, they may go into medicine or research. Uh, or if they're good at science and English and languages, they may go and do something else. So partly it's that, and it's also to do with some of the stereotypical role models uh, and um, the view that people have of engineering. We don't see a lot of engineering on television in fiction. We don't see in a murder mystery that one of the characters who might be under suspicion is an engineer or works at an engineering company. I think the closest we've had to that was something like Clocking Off, which was set in a, a textile factory some years ago. And a lot of the, the um, programmes that we have about engineering tend to be documentaries. So there's been a brilliant documentary about the Elizabeth Line uh, coming online, the £15 billion railway, uh, when we get inside the factory. And these are fascinating, but I think it has to be that kind of passive um, fictional uh stuff that's coming through so a lot of crime dramas you'll get the victim's husband is a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer uh, because writers don't necessarily have exposure to that we also don't teach engineering as a subject in school so a lot of young people don't understand what engineering is they think of it as roads electrics and cars and it's a lot more than that and most of our winners and certainly most engineers spend more time at their desk than they do in protective equipment on site uh, and we always like to look at engineering as being something that's about teamwork, which is fantastic for women, creativity, and women are very creative, and collaboration, uh, rather than looking at the uh, um, the whole kind of messy, dirty aspects. It's all mm. about problem solving, really. Yeah. And of course, women solve problems every minute of every day. And next up, we have Hilary Levers, the CEO of Engineering UK. Uh, let's hear what she had to say, speaking again to Lana. I sort of think back to when I was at school and I don't really remember ever sort of having any discussions about, you know, engineering being or, or anything around that being a, a possibility. So do you think that is changing and getting better now? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And, you know, we are seeing more young women move into engineering. Um, so definitely things are improving. I would like to see improving a lot quicker. I kind of hope that there will be a, you know, a, a positive feedback loop where young women and girls, when they're thinking about future careers, look into our sector and see more women in relatable role models. And it just feels like a, a more obvious move for them. One that, you know, if you look and you don't see yourself there, you wonder why. Mm. And actually, the more that we improve that representation, perhaps the faster we are able to get that rate of improvement up. I really, really hope that's the case. Um, when you look at our sexual data, it, it is increasing slowly, but it is. So we now um, estimate there are 16.5% of females in the engineering workforce. Um, that's a 6% increase over an 11-year period. So it's really slow, um, but there is, there is definitely a positive movement. Mm. And actually, also in terms of that relatability. 
so reflecting on your own experience actually we worked so hard to make sure young people have these learning experiences about what engineering is what it's like to work in tech and that the role models we use are relatable we're trying to make sure they're seeing young women Mm -hmm. as well as people from all different demographic groups in those experiences and when we choose um role models to highlight in our careers case studies or um, uh, careers panels we might have at different events it it is something we're very mindful of there are so many um you know wrong ideas that people have when you even sometimes i think the media is a bit we're a bit guilty of it with pictures that might you know you know be hard hats or whatever and it being a sort of dirty environment but obviously it's not like it is the complete opposite of that really and there's so many avenues that people can go down isn't there it still is there we're really trying to move people away from it and actually the Royal Academy of Engineering has done a lot of work through its This Is Engineering campaign which includes some just really engaging short videos um, that uh, work really well on social channels targeting young people and their influences, but they've mm. also done work building a library of images that we hope that, I, I think you would have uh, a much better sense of what is appropriate imagery to use, but actually for all media, really pushing it out mm. so that what's represented in the news when they go for the stock image of an engineer isn't, you know, what we all still think of because it's what we were shown for decades. Yeah. And actually is a young person from a different sort of background not in a hard hat maybe they're designing maybe they're you know working on CAD or or just a very different sort of Mm. image yeah and finally, we have the thoughts of Christina Pearson Rampieri at BAE Systems, who I had the pleasure of interviewing. She also runs her own business called Aviate Her. So let's hear from her, shall we? When I was in school, I actually really enjoyed subjects like maths, physics, but the mechanical side of physics and also creative subjects like art. Um, so I was already considering engineering, uh, but mostly, mainly mechanical engineering because that's all I really knew uh, of. Um, Engineering wasn't something that was kind of discussed um, at school in my time there. Um, So it was only when I went to an air show with my family, um, I was about 15, um, I went to the Dartmouth Regatta Air Show and that was my first experience of fast jets. Um, I saw the Red Arrows and Harrier and uh, that really made an impression on me. the sound of the aircraft um, and that was the day that I decided that I want to get into the, the aerospace industry. And then you went on to study engineering at, at university yeah. but at that point you were only I'm led to believe only one of two women on the course so how yeah. did that how did that feel at, at the time? So I, I remember um, it was quite daunting at first I'd gone from a school setting where although um there were more boys than girls in physics and maths because I'd grown up in the same school I'd gone to the same school throughout my junior and high school and sixth form so I I knew everyone so it didn't feel as you know when you walk into a room and you don't know anyone and it's only you and one other uh woman in the in the class so that was quite daunting at first um and uh, unexpected I guess the gender disparity hadn't hit me until that day um but I 
I actually really enjoyed my time at university and through a lot of team projects that we did and a lot of kind of revising together and sessions that we we ran kind of just as the students not actually run kind of through the university we just set up our own revision groups and things like that and actually really got on really well with everyone and gender didn't become an issue. Talk to us about Aviate Her so this is a side business you set up in, in in 2020 so why did you do this and what was the motivation behind doing this? So um, I set up Aviate Her, it was during lockdown and um, I've always collected pin badges uh, whenever I've gone on holiday or gone some, someone seen them, I, I always pick one up and I was looking for a pin badge that I had in my mind um, on Etsy and I couldn't see it. Um, so I thought to myself, could I get this made and, and sell it? Um, and that's what I did. And it basically stems from um, when I tell people that I'm an engineer, the standard response that I get is that I don't look like an engineer. Um, so the, the first pin badge that I, I designed was said, this is what an engineer looks like. And um, part of the proceeds went towards the Women, Women's Engineering Society because I wanted something good to come out of it as well. Um, and they sold out within 48 hours, less than 48 hours, which <laughs> really surprised me. And then I had lots of messages from people asking, you know, could you do one for a scientist? Could you do one for a pilot, a mathematician, a physicist? Um, and yeah, and I think it just all stemmed from there. And, and now it's expanded to something that I never imagined it would be. <laughs> um, never imagined that I'd be running a small business as well as my day job. Um, but it's something I really enjoy because I, I think I really enjoy the messages that I get from people who've said I'm going to wear this um, at a conference I'm going to where I was told I don't look like an engineer or I'm going to wear this on my lab coat and yeah it's I hope it's like a, a really good conversation starter. I've sold over 2,000 pins so far which I didn't expect and raised over 3,000 pounds for different charities so I'm glad that something good can come out of it as well. Three fantastic interviews from three fantastic women who really are working hard to dispel that mindset that it is fading slightly within our society, um, but it is still very much there uh, that engineers look a certain way. And we, uh, we heard that story from Christina in, in that last interview. Um, guys, uh, something that obviously we're you know, trying to push hard for, Lana, I know, you know you're very keen on doing uh, this episode this week. And it is a problem that, like I say, is fading, isn't it? But it is certainly still, it's still there. The um, gender parity within this sector still isn't quite where we'd want it to be. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the Women's Engineering Society, that's what they've spent the past 100 years, um, you know, trying to, to readdress. Um and I just thought I'd sort of tell you guys a little bit more about them and what they do if you're not overly familiar with them. Because when Elizabeth was telling me, I found their history um, really interesting. So they were founded in 1919, just at the end of the First World War. Um, and the government at the time decided that they wanted all the women in the factories to be returned to the home so that the job jobs could be given back to the men um, who were returning from war. 
And then this was around the same time where women were allowed to become civil servants, lawyers and enter into the professions. Um, And it was felt by some women working in engineering that this was obviously very unfair. And some of their members were suffragettes, which is why their colours are green, white and violet, which are the same as the suffragette colours which also stands for Give Women Votes, which I was, like, absolutely <laughs> astounded by. Um, I just hadn't really put that together. Um, and, yeah, the, the Women's Engineering Society wanted more women to have the chance to learn about engineering, to become engineers and to be accepted into the professional engineering institutions and the courses and obviously nowadays we're fortunate that any women can join a professional Mm. institution um, and she can study at a university but obviously this wasn't the case back then Mm. so obviously we have moved a lot with the times and as you said before things are getting better A big reason why things are changing now is because we are getting more female role models into schools. Whereas even when I was at school, which wasn't that long ago, really, um, I didn't have anything like that. I think I've mentioned it before. And um, now getting those female role models in is obviously doing a lot because things are changing. Um, But yeah, we've still just got bit of a way to go and role models are something actually you, you touched on didn't you joe in our in our international women's day episode and i know we're kind of covering old ground a little bit but that is a big thing isn't it because there's plenty of male role models for you know for people to look up to in in various industries um there's, there's not not many women in manufacturing are there no i mean we, we speak about the skills gap in manufacturing quite a bit and um, the, those lack of visible role models uh, uh, crop up quite regularly when, to, um, when, when we're talking about how how that's how we can close help close that skills gap because um, you know young people aspire you know they, they 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 copy other people and they aspire to people that they look up to and in other sectors um, those those people are, are in abundance whereas. Uh, in in manufacturing and engineering unfortunately they're they're sort of few and few and far between even if you're a, or a, a, a male you know um you know if you're a, if you're a young kid at school showing a interest in 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 engineering then you've got people like guy martin for example is is one that uh, uh, crops up quite often um professor brian cox from a sort of from a sort of a, a science perspective mm. um but then they're not. Uh, they're, they're, I say they're, they're pretty thin on the ground. But then, if you're looking for role models for for young women, they're not, they're almost non-existent, unfortunately. And it's it's a it's a problem that, as as you guys have mentioned, is is getting better, but is unfortunately still very much there. And something that I love so much about Engineering UK is that obviously. Their, one of their core goals is to make sure that they're getting more young people from diverse backgrounds into engineering and manufacturing. Um, and also what I thought was really great was how they are obviously trying to get look at things in a more diverse way and it would perhaps be easy for it to be missed, um, them doing that themselves within their organisation, but 
they're not missing that. They're very um, on the ball. Like with a diversity across the board. Yeah, yeah really yeah. trying to make sure, you know, they're looking at themselves and asking themselves how can they yeah. um, act more diversely and, and inclusive, which I thought was really great. Fantastic from Elizabeth Donnelly and Hilary Levers and um, Christina Pearson-Rampiri talking about uh, Aviate Her and, and, and the way you know, she's really trying to break down some of those stereotypes that still exist there. Fantastic stuff. Thank you to you three. And, and thank you to you too as well. Always a pleasure to get back in person and uh, do this podcast. Don't know when we're going to eventually finish the technology series because, um, I mean, we are just super busy. I'm actually in Glastonbury now at the time of release of this podcast episode. I am in Glastonbury. I'm, I'm somewhere <laughs> in a field. <laughs> well, I hope your future Tom... Yeah. Or present Tom to our listeners is having a great time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I won't be listening to this, but but, but, but I will be listening to something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm having a great time, I can assure you. Um, guys, thank you very much. And as always, listener, thank you very much for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Not entirely sure when that will be, but we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.